pre-dropped here, no doubt. Yeah, pre-dropped. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. It made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. Hello, folks, boys and girls, ladies and gents. Come on in for a fun little drop zone. You may uh, have woken up on, what, Monday morning of this week and wondered, where is the Amundi Evian Championship coverage? Where is the 3M Open coverage from my drop zone friends? And sadly, we, we didn't have any of that for you. Sean was battling a sore throat. Dylan hopefully was enjoying his Sunday off from talking to me. But in exchange for that, he gets a Monday afternoon talking to me. We're going to do something different today. Dylan, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I I watched a lot of golf yesterday. I guess my my consumption was restricted to the written word, Sean, so people can go read the Monday finish on golf.com, I guess, if they want my Celine Boutier takes. But we had some dominant showings. Celine just slammed the door on the Evian field. Lee Hodges won by a touchdown. Uh even I even I don't watch a lot of senior golf, but the carnage of Shaka versus Harrington. That was pretty fun. All conditions at the open. Um, so I had a nice little golf watching Sunday. Nice. Well, that's good. Um, we are not really going to talk about all that, which. Yeah, you know, I just a wanted a, a cursory mention, you know. <laughs> a cursory mention. My only cursory mention of the weekend in golf is that I saw a clip today of Lee Hodges taking a phone call from Nick Saban. Yeah. Hall of Fame. I sent this Hall of Famer football coach. Oh, you sent it out. Well, I didn't see it from you. But anyways, maybe this is what you got to. In the process of like 60 seconds, he called Nick Saban, bud, pal, and dude, which there's not a whole lot of people in the world that Nick Saban will allow call them bud, pal, and dude in like a 30-second span. Uh, And apparently Mr. Hodges is one of them. You want me to read you my tweet? This this will be a good future segment. I said something impressive about Lee Hodges calling Nick Saban coach, bud, pal, man, and dude in the span of 11 (laughs) seconds, not just 30 seconds. He did it in the first 11 seconds of the phone call. Amazing. Well, this, that shows how much I follow Dylan's Twitter feed, uh, in the course of a typical Monday. Yeah. um, An appropriate amount. That's on me. Um, we're going to swivel our gaze forward rather than backward. And we're going to focus entirely on the Ryder Cup. Now, if you're not inclined to care about the Ryder Cup, um, well, first off, what's wrong with you? But secondly, um, this is the time to care about it. The month of August and the month of September leading up to the Ryder Cup, um, there's going to be players making these teams in the next couple weeks, players getting picked to be on these teams, playing their way onto these teams. And Dylan and I are going to basically just – we're going to give you a peek into what the captains Luke Donald and Zach Johnson are going to be dealing with honestly like we are going to try and uh remove biases about who needs to be on these teams I mean I don't know if you feel this way Dylan but I don't give a damn who wins the Ryder Cup now I'm an American you're an American I think like at our core we would like to see Americans play well in this event because at some point we won't be writers writing about it we'll be fans watching it but my point is if the americans lose to the europeans 
that's very interesting fodder for the writing that we do. If the Americans go and win their first Ryder Cup on European soil for the first time in 30 years, that's very interesting fodder for the writing that we do. I don't give a damn who wins. So that makes it very easy for me to step into Luke Donald's shoes as we're going to do. Yeah, in this that's a really exhibition. interesting question, actually. Like, I wonder, I remember being at the last Ryder Cup. Well, I guess I remember being at the Ryder Cup in France and hearing the cheers from like the European media when certain putts went in on uh, Vamos. on Sunday. Vamos. I definitely don't feel that way. Maybe that's the problem all these years. They're just the allegiance to the U.S. Ryder Cup team hasn't run deep enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's my fear for the Ryder Cup is that the U.S. team just starts this dominant run that Shipnick wrote about all these years ago. And we're not even close to that because the U.S. hasn't won in Europe in forever. Um, but I think that the Ryder Cup is interesting because it's evenly matched. And uh, so I'm excited for this year. But yeah, I don't I don't feel some allegiance to. Well, I don't even know who the heart and soul of this U.S. team is. It's a little bit of, of a changing <laughs> of the guard, I guess, right now. I don't yeah, feel a huge allegiance that's an to important point. Scotty and the boys. Yeah, I think that's an important point and one that we're going to get into here. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to be Luke Donald and Dylan's going to be Zach Johnson. And so some of the decisions will have been made for us. There are automatic qualifiers for each of these teams, and there are six captain's picks for each of these teams. And so we're going to basically make selections. We're going to draft the Ryder Cup as we see it in the moment and a bit as we see it shaking out. What is most realistic? How might we want to pair these people up if we were – the acting captains, um, and yeah, just kind of tell you guys how we, as quote-unquote golf insiders, see this thing shaking out, and again, in a very unbiased way. So, um, Dylan, as the acting American, the visiting squad, why don't you start by just explaining who will be the top, the top first pick, essentially, for the American team? All right, yeah. So, yeah, basically what my thought is here is so it's sort of a – uh, depth chart situation and i will start with in order the six guys that are currently projected to auto qualify and then move on from there but pretty clearly the top guy on the team is scotty scheffler and yep. he, he may not have played quite as well at the open championship as he did in the 19 tournaments before that but very <laughs> clearly the american's best all-around golfer best champion, best consistent competitor. Um, who he's going to get paired with is a fascinating question, especially as we get further yeah. on. But clear number one, Scotty Scheffler, welcome to the team. He's already among the guys who is auto-qualified. I'm definitely jealous uh, if I'm wearing Luke Donald's hat. I'm definitely jealous of <laughs> uh, Zach Johnson's ability just to like, you know what, Scotty, you're playing five. We don't need you to play five. We are the deeper team, but you get to go play five um, because I mean, he's as sure of a bet. You know, he must – he's kind of like what Tiger Woods was at any given point in the last 20 years. Like he's the number one clear cut. You roll him out there and you're going to get a good match, have a good chance. You can also throw him out there with anybody. So, Scotty – massive value uh i think rory is playing his way up to scotty's level at the moment and so 
the number one person on the depth chart for the Euros is Rory McIlroy. Um, if you just look at the last three months, Rory is very close, kind of nipping at Scotty's heels. We, we look back at like what Rory has won and lost in the last few months. He's only really won the Scottish Open, but he has become like he's basically become a fixture in the top tens just hasn't done it as long as Scotty has like he he was contending at the Canadian Open contending at the Memorial contending at the U.S. Open wins the Scottish Open was kind of up near the top of the leaderboards uh, for most of the time in Hoylake so I think Rory particularly playing on European soil and the player with who he'll be the player playing that has more experience than anybody else um no one has played in more Ryder Cups than him. I think Justin Rose included. So, like, Rory is as good of an asset as Scotty, even if Scotty's playing better because Rory's playing at home. He has way more experience. Um, and he's been paired with everybody. That's like a comfort that um, when you were talking about, you're not really sure about, like, the <clears throat> the moral compass or, like, the, the core leader of the American team we know who the leader is of the European team it's absolutely Rory and he will go out there with anyone you send him out there with you want to send him out with Bob McIntyre the guy he beat in Scotland you want to send him out with uh Adrian Moronk you want to pair him up with Fitz right maybe you can write what's wrong with Matthew Fitzpatrick just put him out there with Rory and you're going to be in in whatever match you're in I think that that's a huge thing for Luke Donald I would say, Sean, when it comes to number two and three on my squad, they're they're very closely intertwined. Um, number two, I guess, his form is just ever so slightly better uh, than number three. I'll put Patrick Cantlay, uh, who has just been playing golf at a very high level. You wouldn't necessarily think of it this way, but it turns out the heart and soul of this team at this point like the the veterans of U.S. team play are now Patrick Cantley and Xander. I'll just give away the other. Yeah, it's a bunch of Cali boys. There. It's all they're it is. Cali boys. It's a bunch of Cali boys, but it's it still feels like these guys are the new kids on the block because until the 2019 Presidents Cup, we hadn't really seen them play together, and now that's a few years ago. And there's been so much turnover in this team. It's looked so different year over year that these guys are now the veterans, they're a successful squad, and uh, I think we'll expect to see a bunch of them. But yeah, Cantlay in particular has been, he's been very steady at the majors. So for thinking about the Ryder Cup as a continuation of like big events, he's been good, not, he's been good without threatening to win a major this year, uh, but he is playing golf at a higher level than anyone not not named Rom, Rory, or Scotty. So he earns number two ranking on my U.S. depth chart. Does it? Uh, I'll let you. Why don't you just say your number three, and then I'll do All my right. two and three because you, you're already te teasing out Xander. Yeah, I mean Xander is I the number have a question three. Here. About those guys, Xander is number three. He's he he and Cantlay are playing golf at the highest level. Um, of anyone on the U.S. team other than Scotty Scheffler, they they aren't they they are statistically so similar it's almost eerie. If you look at their careers, they're really similar. If you look at their recent um, 
form. It's similar. They play together every week in practice rounds. They played the Zurich together. They play the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup together. Um, yeah, they're not the same guy, but they are certainly very similar golfers and very good so, ones, but not does winning it bother golfers you at a lot. All? Yeah, that's it. Does it bother you at all that these aren't winning golfers? Now, I know they've, they've done really well in the Ryder Cup. Uh, their singular Ryder Cup appearance and their, their President's Cup appearances have been very good. But does it bother you at all that like you're putting your, your horses are these dudes that are, are often very good, not incredibly great? It bothers me to the extent that these guys feel like they should be the number two, like stealth pairing on the team. Like they are rock solid. There's no questioning their form. I, I expect that they'll do really well, but in terms of like the makeup of the team, if you want them to be the emotional centerpieces of the U S squad, like I would feel much more comfortable if Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas were playing at their highest level because the way they are on the golf course is much more in line mm. with emotional leadership uh, where Xander and Cantlay are going to go about their business. They're going to lead by example. They're going to be more fun Ryder cup week than they are most weeks. They're going to be a lot more social like Xander. Everyone forgets that he's quite funny. And then like one week a year, everyone really sees it at these team press conferences. So I'm sure we're going to see that again, but yeah, it, it gives me a little bit of, a little bit of concern going into Europe where you're going to need some vocal leadership, some mojo that uh, the two guys who are forming the most talented team are going to be somewhat of introverts. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a thing like at home you can kind of blend in because you've got the fans cheering you on, but like on the road, you don't really have that to look to. Xander has to look to Cantlay and kind of, I don't know, they have to find it in each other. But I think their similarities maybe really, really work for them. Um, so we'll give them that. Um, all right. So my number two, I'll, I'll write off my two and three because I almost think about them very similarly to what you just said. But Rom, John Rom, and uh, Victor Hovland would be two and three for me. Um, which is fine. Uh, un nothing unexpected about that. But like both of these guys are five match guys. They absolutely need to be. Luke Donald is looking at a roster that is very top heavy and whoever's at the top is extremely good and like can absolutely take every punch from the Americans. And it's not, it's not bottom heavy in any way. Um, I guess if it's top heavy, it cannot be bottom heavy. But um, <laughs> these are five match guys. They need to know. You're playing all five matches. I don't care how you play. I don't care care who you play with. We need you playing at you know at least sixty holes of golf, essentially, for us throughout the week. And um, that's a huge. That's a lot to ask uh, of these guys walking a very hilly golf course. You know, basically dealing with the media and then like running back out there and and playing thirty six holes each day or you know twenty eight to thirty holes each day. But there's not anything that I can say about Rom that hasn't already been said. He was the best player in the world in February. Then it became a bit of a debate with Scotty. He's still a top four player on the planet and has no 
signs that he will lose that. I mean, if anyone was going to take the open from Brian Harmon, we were kind of worried that it was going to be John Rahm. So that's where he's at. I think he's kind of peeking back into form a little bit. And then Hovland has had arguably the best summer in major championships for anyone who didn't win, you know? I think on the of everyone who made the cut in the majors, Hovland finished second in terms of scoring behind Scotty Scheffler. Ironically, neither of them won. But like Vic Hovland ascended this year. His game is better than it's ever been. Um, and it again, like winning at the memorial, unlike uh, a victory can do for a lot of people, he has not taken a step back. He's he's still kind of I don't know. He's he's hung around in a ways that um, not everyone does after a victory. So feel really, really good about Hoffman playing five matches as well. And I think this brings us to, um, I don't know. Uh, this is where the Ryder Cup gets really interesting, the middle chunk. Who is your number four spot? One thing on Hovland, and I guess generally on your, your Euro side, Vic was part of the team that got steamrolled at Whistling Straits. He went 0-3 and one in the uh, mm-hmm. in the team portion, and then I guess he tied Colin Morikawa. Does that what does that scar tissue do to your squad? Like, are you are you taking any lessons from Wisconsin? Or are you basically just ignoring the fact that it ever happened? Ignoring that it happened for a number of reasons. Um, we were due for something like that to happen. That American team is not this American team. And also there were no European fans on site in, in Wisconsin. There just really barely were. And um, if anything was disrupting play that week, it was the American fans that were getting drunk and boisterous. Like the exact opposite kind of happens at European events. It's hard to get Americans to travel all that way. Uh, to a place that they can't play any other golf around. You can't do that in Rome. Um, so there will be a massive change in the theoretical momentum that can can take place uh, outside the ropes. So I'm not worried about it. Um, I will speak a little bit later with one player in particular that I am a little bit worried about. But for a guy like Hovland, he thinks he's a better golfer than he was uh, 24 months ago. And I think he is. So he probably looks back on that performance as like, Look, I actually kind of I played five matches. I scrounged up two ties, and I'm very, very much a better golfer than I was back then. So I'm pretty confident moving forward. Yeah, I think his showing in majors has has certainly cemented that. To your point, um, all right, n- number four, Wyndham Clark, who has already now I think qualified officially for the team. He will be in Italy, and remains i guess kind of underrated even though he just won a major championship he has won two of his last eight starts two of his last seven starts i guess including the wells fargo which is a designated event so he has beaten the best golfers in the world in a couple in a couple different venues there are reasons to be really excited about Wyndham. there are a couple red flags he's not always a super accurate driver of the ball. We'll see how the European side sets this place up. Um, but what you're getting in Wyndham is just a really good ball striker in general. Uh, he hits it a ton. He's a strong irons player. He is a good putter. I mean, he yeah, he's just all around been playing golf at a very high level. So there's a lot to expect and be excited about from Wyndham. I don't know 
who his partner is going to be also. I think we'll get yeah. to that when we get further down the list. Um, being an Arizona guy, there are a couple possibilities of guys that he knows from that. But yeah, he seems like a pretty affable guy. So it's not like he's a, a, a character issue. Definitely not. Um, my number four is Tyrrell Hatton. Now, this is this gets to the point where I was speaking earlier about uh, just the the top heavy nature of it. He is one of the six or seven best golfers on the planet right now. When you look at the the tracking of strokes gained over the last three months, of the top five, four of them are Euros, and Tyrrell Hatton's number three. He's trailing only Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy. Now, you may ask yourself, well, where the hell has Tyrrell Hatton won in the last year? He hasn't done a lot of winning. He he kind of s- strikes a similar chord to Xander and Cantley in that sense where he's phenomenal at making birdies. He's He tends to be pretty solid at, uh, at playing well in big events. Like He kind of hovers, and he's very, very, very good. Now, like, what is that? What does that mean for him playing match play golf with the team? Who knows? But he's a horse, and on a team with uh, a few horses, he kind of needs to. He kind of also needs to play five matches, maybe four. Who knows? You can't have everybody play five matches, but I wouldn't be shocked if he played five because they kind of need him to. The analytics are going to tell him that, especially when Luke Donald sits down on like you know, maybe Friday night after the first two sessions have gone by. And he's like, well, we just need 36 holes out of Tyrrell as well. Um, so he's number four for me. Do you know what is like, what's Hatton's record? Do you know offhand? Two, four and one. Okay. So he's played in a couple of different cups. Um, you know, he's done a little bit of winning, you know, that's where when you think about the 2021 cup at Whistling Straits, it's like, Gosh, that's going to color everybody's record in a pretty dark way. There's not going to be a lot of guys that are going to have survived that um, with a with a you know above 500 record. Got it. Uh, yeah, I mean he's just an interesting one because he's God, he's fun to watch. I mean, your team is you got some fun guys. It's going to be a fun squad to root for. You must be proud to be at the helm. Yeah, I'm very proud. I think um, my connection with as a writer with most of these guys comes via their caddies. Um, and, and I kind of am going to enjoy just poking and prodding and seeing what's going on with some of the best players, uh, taking part just kind of via their caddies. Cause you know, the caddy room is as raucous as the player room. A lot of these nights, the caddies, <laughs> you know, they're not, afraid yeah, they don't to have to rest up the and wine. the same way. Yeah. Um, all right, so. number five on my list, Sean, is Brooks Kepka, who is probably would be in a different place on this list before the last couple events. That's probably overrating his T64 sort of uninspiring result at the Open. Um, but Brooks really showed that he is back starting at the Masters, maybe starting at Live Orlando if you're so inclined. Uh, he really backed that up by winning the PGA championship. He threw in a, a couple top fives at live events also. So clearly playing golf at a very high level. Uh, one interesting thing, he is going to have a child and a combination of having a kid plus showing some past disinterest at the Ryder cup. <laughs> I wonder if there could be some sort of uh, last minute team adjustment there. 
I I don't have any inside information. I kind of just just found out about this right before we recorded this. So I'm just thinking that could throw like a late wrench in the mix, which is partly why I've got him ranked down here at number five. Um, but ignoring that, Brooks will be fun to watch. Uh, finding him the right partner will be interesting and enjoyable, which, as you'll notice, is kind of a theme with this U.S. team. Um, so, yeah, our first live golfer is in my five slot on the U.S. team. Good for you. Uh, I think the Americans are better with Brooks Kepka on this team. I don't think anyone's going to doubt that. And if it gets to a point where there is that doubt, it's going to it's going to inject a lot of second guessing, a lot of hindsight. You mean uh, if he like, fall he so he could fall outside the top six, which is an interesting scenario no, throughout the I'm, playoffs. I mean, I mean more of how he performs. Like if gotcha. he goes over there. Because there is a live golf event the week prior to the Ryder Cup. So while JT, maybe not JT, while all the Americans are flying across the Atlantic, probably together the weekend before the Ryder Cup, like Brooks is going to be in Chicago. Um, I won't even be in Chicago and I live here. Brooks will be in Chicago finishing up the live golf event in getting on a jet on his own, I assume, uh, or with his team to go over there and play. So like you said, there are some question marks around him, but he will, you know, if he shows up and, and goes, you know, one and three, not playing too well, people are going to be like, did you want this guy from the, from the get go? Um, was this a lock in the way it seemed like a lock? So, um, we can talk all about that in two months when the Ryder cup is over. Um, my number five is, uh, as it currently stands, Tommy Fleetwood is automatically qualified. So Tommy Ladd is um, right on the cusp of like maybe having to be a captain's pick. Either way, he's going to be on the team. He has been involved with uh, Luke Donald's thought process the entire time. You know, he captained one of the teams at I think it's called the Hero Cup, um, which is kind of like a little bit of a a, a warm up event in February. I think it was in Dubai or in January. I think it was in Dubai. Um, Either way, like they're going to look to him to maybe also be a five-match guy. He doesn't need to play five matches, but he's playing as good at golf as, as anyone on the European team, essentially outside of Rory. So he, if he can keep this form up, it sounds like, um, you know, what, exactly what he was doing right before the, the 2018 Ryder Cup uh, where he was undefeated until Sunday singles. So... I think they feel really good about where Tommy Ladd is at. And, um, yeah, I think him being automatically qualified, it opens things up for Luke Donald, uh, and he doesn't have to, I don't know. I'll, I'll get to this point later, but ha- having certain players automatically qualified uh, just allows you a lot of freedom when it comes to making these captain's picks um, and not having sure. to yeah. select Allowing someone. him to explore so. the space a little bit. Yeah. All right, my final current auto qualifier is the man who is, you know, about as hot as anyone who just won the latest major championship, Brian Harmon. Now, if you'd said that Brian Harmon is going to be on the Ryder Cup team after the U.S. Open, I would have said, "What happened? To all those poor U.S. Ryder Cuppers." <laughs> because he was not on the radar, Sean. He was not on his own radar. He he 
thought he couldn't break an egg at that point. But then he finished T2 at the Travelers, T9 at the Rocket Mortgage, T12 at the Genesis Scottish Open. And then you know what he did at the Open Championship. If you mm-hmm. told me that you could produce an American who was well above average in driving accuracy, who was terrific around the greens, who was an excellent putter and still an above average irons player, I would say that seems like the sort of thing that the Americans have been missing when they go to Europe. Um, with that said, Sean, from a political standpoint, Brian Harmon making this team is trouble for Zach Johnson because, <laughs> you know, if you're looking at your guys, your your stable of dudes that you're used to choosing from, he is not among them. So him being on the team means someone else is not going to be on the team. We'll get there. But Brian Harmon has earned his spot and he will be on this team. Yeah. But the question about him is like, how, like, does he have another peak in him? Because people who followed, follow golf closely realize he had a, he had a sneaky little peak last year where he was playing really solid golf, top 20 player in the world. That was kind of the, the peak of his career without actually winning. And he's now kind of peaked again, that obviously coming with a win, but you just kind of look at his, his statistical profile. He's been as good of a golfer over the last six months or so, basically 2023 as Shane Lowry, you know, as Taylor Gooch. Like, it's not like he's this, he's not a fraud. Like, there's a reason why he's a top 10 player in the world golf ranking because he was a top 30 player and then he won a major. That That's what happens. So he's not, he's not as much of a fraud as some people will want to claim. Um, but he's earning his way onto the team ahead of a lot of guys that you think are horses, ahead of the speeths of the world that you kind of will rely on a lot in this event. So it just makes the calculus for Zach Johnson super interesting. Uh, in a very similar vein, <laughs> the sixth auto qualifier for the Euros is Bob McIntyre. Now, that could surprise some people. The European qualification is weird. There's, you know, there's a lot of preference given to guys who play exclusively on the European Tour, the DP World Tour, and that's how Bob McIntyre is going to make this team, largely on the back of his uh, second place finish, solo second at the Scottish Open. Um, what's funny about that is Dylan, prior to that event, he was ranked 11th in the European list. It bumped him up to third, which is probably where he's going to stay. So that week was insane for him. People really, I think in the moment were like, this is so good for a Ryder Cupper potential guy who, you know, the way he played down the stretch, playing incredible golf in the wind, in the conditions, clutch golf, winning golf, damn near winning golf. That's all really good. The other good thing is that he's won at Marco Simone, the golf course that they will be playing the Ryder Cup at. Two years ago, he won the Italian Open. So there are good vibes for him. Now, this is where I'm going to put on my unbiased hat. I think there's a reason why Bob McIntyre has not graduated to become a PGA Tour member to this point. Something is holding him back. His overall game is just not that good enough. And he happened to have the best finish of his life, essentially, in an event that was paying out a lot of money, a lot of points, and at the absolute right time. And so he went from being a bubble boy to basically being a sure thing, and that's not what you want for your sixth spot on the death chart, essentially, Um, especially that person being a Ryder Cup rookie. Um, I think he's the kind of player who 
I think he's let the big moments maybe consume him in majors before. Uh, and he's even admitted to getting a little bit like flustered at times playing in front of like a home crowd where they like really wanted it for them. So I just think that like, even if he's a, he's the sixth auto qualifier, I don't expect him to play five matches. Certainly not. Um, he might be, he, he could very well be a three match player depending on how he is that week. Um, and I think you need to, I think you need to pair him with like a PGA tour veteran, you know, like someone that is going to not get him who's, who's going to be able to look to, um, when he gets a little riled up inside, but I think he's on the team and a lot of people really like him. They see him as a potential future Ryder cupper, but my concerns are that outside of the Scottish open, he hasn't been an elite player. And, um, that's kind of what we're dealing with with a top heavy roster. So he's really someone that we, we, we being like the golfing public, like we really want Bob McIntyre to be good, huh? He's left-handed. He's Scottish. He's got a great personality, like a fun golf game. And he just seems like a good, passionate hang. Seems like he, yeah, a he's... great personality for a Ryder cup. Yes. He's a great quote. He's Scottish. Everyone loves Scotland. So the game feels better when there's a good Scotsman who's uh, who's playing well, climbing the world rankings. His he's reached his career high, which is still not in the top fifty. So that kind of adds to my point of I just don't know what's missing, but there is something that's been missing with him. So does that show up at the Ryder Cup? We shall see. All right, Sean. Time for my first captain's pick and. The theme here of these captain's picks is that none of them are rock solid. Like none hmm. of them are, and actually maybe this guy is, but it's not who I would expect because he's currently, he's currently the last man in when it comes to the actual Ryder cup standings. And he was not close to being on the last team. So I'm talking about my man, Ricky Fowler, mm-hmm. number seven on the depth chart. Uh, just won the Rocket Mortgage Classic. He finished fifth at the U.S. Open, played in the final group there. Uh, top 10s at the Memorial, at the Chuck Schwab. Top 20s basically everywhere. This guy has been really steady. He's been putting it finally again, like the Ricky Fowler that we always talk about. Um, he's been hitting his irons really well. Those two things together are pretty good. Those travel. Um so yeah, if you talk about guys that have a complete well-rounded golf game right now who look like that game can travel, Ricky didn't have like that impressive a links swing, T42 at the Scottish, T23 at the Open. Um but you know, he's basically he's Still made every cut cuts. just about. Yeah. He's 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 just solid and he's kind of wound back the clock happy for him looks great yeah welcome to the team yeah i think it i think he could be just massive he's probably going to end up being if he plays well it's such a all-around game that is so agreeable and a great putter that you know he could play five matches for the americans um and since he's kind of had this like renaissance he's really kind of bifurcated his career like his, his his the first half of his career if we will like it wasn't great in the Ryder Cup, but I think you could see him really do some damage. I think, um, God, what an addition that you weren't planning on 
12 months ago. We haven't really seen Ricky with a lot of chances to just like stunt on people either. Like he's been doing a lot of quiet top 20ing. Even when he won the Rocket Mortgage, he was not he wasn't overly expressive about the whole thing. Like we think of Ricky as being this loud guy. We haven't seen anything loud from from his personality of late. Like we think of his of his clothes being loud, I should say. So like the Ryder Cup could be a moment where Ricky announces, like, I'm back. I'm gonna do some things that you remember. Who's your guy? Sure. Sure. I'll give you that. Uh so another guy we weren't counting on 12 months ago being part of this European team is Justin Rose, but he is now because this is a team that's going to have a number of rookies on it. Like I said, Bob McIntyre is already qualified essentially in my books. He's going to be on that team as a rookie. There's a couple people, there might be as many as four European rookies. So we need a veteran, a guy who's played in a lot of Ryder cups. Um, and, Rosie's had a great year. He missed the last, he's missed three of his last four cuts, which is certainly concerning. Um, and it's kind of dropped his, his current like data golf ranking down a little bit. However, he is so solid. And when I was saying earlier about Bob McIntyre, you'd want to put him out there with like a vet who's going to like kind of calm things down, make things comfortable for him. I mean, essentially no one in this entire event has played more Ryder cups than Justin Rose. Um, so I, I feel confident with him on the team. He is, he is a good putter. You know, his length is still at a tour average and he's good at everything else and playing with the home crowd. A lot of trust in Rosie, um, at 43 years old. I don't know if you can send him out for five matches. I don't know that you need to, but he certainly will probably have to play four matches. So, um, a guy that you can pair with everyone, it's good to have. He just needs to kind of dial it back up in September before we uh, put balls in the air because recent form has been a little concerning. Yeah, definitely a UK heavy squad you're forming over there. Um, my next guy, Sean, coming in the eighth slot is Max Homa. And what is revealing about the US team is that some people could probably argue that his spot on this squad is not even secure. Uh, but I think what you've seen in his last couple starts in particular cements what you already know, which is like the U S team is, is better with Homa on it. What you saw at the president's cup last year was really encouraging just how big he stepped up in big moments. And it also reinforces this idea of Homa as a clutch closer, um, which we've seen when he's in contention when he won the Fortnet, when he won the farmer's insurance, when he contended elsewhere at the Genesis. So yeah, there were some question marks when he missed the cut at the U S open. And then he missed the cut at the travelers the very next week. But you know, a couple top 12s in uh, the Lynx land was a reminder that, yeah, this guy's actually right where we need him to be on the U S side. So welcome max. I have certainly been flying the flag with all due respect to like Homa's dip uh, and I think in like the months of, of April, May, and June, um, yeah. not, not, not lighting it up in majors and, um, not playing four full rounds, um, in bigger tournaments. Um, he is on the rise again, which is really, really good for the American squad because for a while there, I mean, he was within the top six auto qualifiers and I was just saying like, look, top six auto qualifier. You want to count on that dude. He wasn't playing all, all that great of golf. But I think he's rounding into form. And I think of all people on that team, uh, 
man, like the President's Cup to kind of, uh, for lack of a better better turn, kind of blood him into the squad to get his feet wet in these team competitions where he absolutely thrived down in Charlotte last year. I think that's going to be something he really, really looks back on. Um, he doesn't strike me as someone who's going to shrivel. He might absolutely thrive in the kind of, you know, the fans are cheering against me setting. Um, so my next captain's pick is a guy who could play his way into auto qualifying, uh, at which point he would just bump out Tommy Fleetwood over the course of the next month, but it's Matthew Fitzpatrick. And there are a couple things swirling about Fitz. Um, first off, his attitude about his own game hasn't been great lately. His form has not been uh, what we saw 2022 to be. His 0-5 Ryder Cup record is absolutely concerning. He's played in two Ryder Cups, has not won, has not even tied a match. That's concerning. Um, but I am quelling those concerns with the fact that if he's bottomed out, if the way we currently see Fitz is uh, is a valley, then it's still pretty darn good. And he has been a part of the conversation um, the analytics guys love him. He's ranked 15th this year in strokes gained putting. And, you know, sometimes the Ryder cup can come down to just like, okay, who is the hottest putter out here this week? Who's pouring putts in from 20, 25 feet and basically making every great ball striker, just that more valuable when you have a really good putter making the putts. Um, so I feel, I feel better about fits maybe than his statistical profile would have you think. Um, and, he, like, he's not necessarily a horse that you're you're counting on, but he's certainly someone who could become a horse um, that could play five matches, who's got the experience, could totally see him and, and Rosie go out together as the all-English uh, duo, maybe in some foursomes matches, really get the European-English uh, squad behind them. Um, but as you said earlier, this is a very UK-heavy <laughs> squad. We've got Rory... Hatton, Fleetwood, Rosie, Fitzpatrick. I'm going to add another guy to that list from that that part of the world again. Um, but that's how it is. That's what they've been planning to do this whole time. I am in Luke Donald's shoes as a Brit, so we're gonna we're gonna load up on the UK lads. Next up, Sean. Again, like not without a little bit of pause, but Jordan Spieth is coming in a little bit slot. of pause well, you want more or less pause i want more pause man missed three of his last five cuts <laughs> has not been great with the flat stick <clears throat> those don't sound like great attributes before that though <laughs> i mean like he was great at the masters he had an incredible early season he was Finished, yes, sixth in Phoenix, fourth at Bay Hill, third at the Valspar, fourth at Augusta, second at the RBC Heritage. Like, this guy was arguably the best American. Now, that's not true. Scotty was still better. But you get my point. He was very clearly going to be, you know, the heart and soul of this team. Instead, he's in, but, you know, no one's saying he's looked, he's looking the best he's ever looked. You do have potential here for, Spieth and Ricky to play together, which could be very fun. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, Spieth as a guy and as a golfer, you really can put with anyone. It's just like that group 
immediately becomes very, very interesting and fun to watch. <laughs> Super volatile. Yeah. Dylan, I want to, so, I want to list off some names. If you just look at strokes gained over the last three months, and this will be the most volatile like time period, it's only three months. It's only July, June, and May, but this is when you want to, this is championship golf season. Sure. These are the names of, of golfers who have been better than Jordan Spieth, Gary Oof. Woodland, Patrick Rogers, Bo Hosler, Dylan Wu, Austin Eckrote, uh, Kevin Streelman, Alex Smalley, Doug Gim, Romain Langasque. The, there's a long list of players who have been better than Spieth. And that's going to happen during a given three-month spurt during, the, during the, the glut of a very long season where Spieth is admitted to being burned out at points. So it's, it's going to happen. I'm just saying you don't want to see it happening right now. So... He's an incredible competitor. It's just some question marks. And look, if Justin Thomas makes your team, I don't know if he is, you can essentially put JT's question marks right there alongside Jordan Spieth's question marks as people that you kind of want to be your horses. And suddenly um, your team looks a little bit less certain than maybe you were planning. Um, can I take can I take my next guy? Or you got anything more to say about Speed? Please, no. I mean, I don't, I have no real defense for <clears throat> Speed's last three months. We're taking a long approach, and that's really all I sure. can say about that. Sure. Um, Shane Lowry is my next captain's pick. My final pick from the UK and Ireland. And Shane O, uh, I like where he's at right now. I did not like where he was six months ago. He was playing like Spieth is currently playing about six months ago. Um, and he had lost a bit of form. But what I like about Shane Lowry is that he's really good friends with the best player on the European team. He's very good <laughs> friends with Rory. They are very close. They play practice rounds together, which they did at Hoylake. Shane was a sneaky, fiery sensation uh, during the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. He actually did win one of those few matches that the European team won. Um, and I think I think that was a very good experience for him. He needed to be, to kind of like get his rookie year out of the way. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to have his Irish Open as a nice little tune-up uh, in middle of September, right before the, the Ryder Cup. I think it's all trending in the right place for Shano, which is good. Again, not a horse, but also maybe a personality horse. Like everyone loves him. You can kind of <laughs> pair him up with Rory, with Rom, with famous Pavlin personality horse. That those dudes are are they not important in this event at some level? No, they are. I just never heard those two words um, <laughs> in such close proximity. Yeah, I feel good about about Shano being a part of this team uh, again you could get a little bit it's a slippery slope when you start looking at the guys on this list about who is left and you don't want a lot of rookies there are already enough rookies on this team so you kind of need someone with some experience all right next up colin morikawa another now guy you could argue shouldn't be on this team what's that it gets interesting right it gets now it's really it gets interesting. real interesting Partly what I'm leaning on here is that he looked so good two years ago in this competition. Partly what I'm leaning on is that he's on a hot streak of putting, the open not included, where he did not play well. But you just, at the end of the day, have to rely on, okay, which guys are going to hit it the best no matter where you drop them in? And Colin Morikawa remains an elite iron player. He has not 
put together a particularly strong summer, but you know, he almost won the rocket mortgage and that on the strength of that and, and his really strong form to begin the year, that's what gets him on this team. Uh, but he's coming in the 10 slot. So yeah, welcome Colin. You've got some things to prove. I think, I think he is, um, it's, I'm jealous of the fact that he is the 10 slot on the American team. If I'm sure if I'm Luke Donald and you know, I'm known my entire career for being a worldly ball striker. I am, I'm certainly aware of Colin Morikawa's skill set, and I am so jealous that Zach Johnson gets to decide whether or not he wants Colin Morikawa on his team. You look at Morikawa's stats, like he may not be winning golf tournaments. He may have dropped a little bit outside the top 10 in the world golf ranking, but he's still playing like a top 12 golfer in the world. And if that's what the Valley looks like with an all-world irons player at a place where you know the big miss will not be rewarded, um, he could be a really good guy to have on your team in Rome. Now, it gets real. Where are you going now, Sean? Where, where do you go? <laughs> yeah, so I think um, I've said it a number of times at this at this point. It's a very top heavy European squad, and then it gets very thin very quickly. And the nine players that I've already mentioned are people that I feel fine with. Now it gets dicey. I'm going with Sepp Straka. I feel like that pick needs to be made because of how he's played recently. He may have won one of the weakest field uh, events on the PGA Tour, but he won on the PGA Tour, and it's not the first time that he's done that. And he finished T2 uh, at the Open at Hoylake behind Brian Harmon. He, you know, let's say Brian Harmon doesn't exist. Well, there's a four-man playoff for second, and it's Sepp Straka, John Rahm, Jason Day, and gosh, I forget who else would be on that list, but... It doesn't matter. Sepp Strzok is playing the best golf of his life. So at the point at which these decisions will be made one month from now, you're not keeping him off the list because um, he did not shrink in the moment any of these times where he's been playing his best golf. Um, he will be probably a he will be a three-match guy, maybe a four-match guy if he's playing great. He kind of has these swings where he's playing either fantastically or uh, horribly. That's kind of been a bit of his career. It's a bit, bit polarizing, a bit volatile. But um, we're seeing his best golf right now, so you kind of have to trust it. Yeah. I mean, his win was insane. He's clearly really good. He's clearly playing quite well. I'm concerned about his southern accent and the European team room but that'll just be a fun quirk i think of this you can't have all brits on your team so it's good to you know this way you have a southerner and an austrian and in one guy yeah Uh, number 11 go ahead number 11 keegan bradley i thought for a moment am i gonna have to leave keegan off my side no no i will not and uh this (laughs) I, i never thought that you would this is solely thanks to his win at the Travelers. What we saw there was, yeah, he still got it. What we saw there is he's still got it under pressure. He's still got it with the, all the attention on him. And we really needed that because he hadn't shown a lot else this summer. Um, but what's encouraging, Sean, are two things. One, how badly he wants this. He wants this more than any more than just about anyone wants anything in the golf world. Keegan Bradley <laughs> wants to be on this Ryder Cup team. And 
that's the first thing. The second encouraging thing is that he's been putting really quite well. Uh, that's always been the thing to hold him back. I think mm-hmm. from the sound of it, Marco Simone, it's a little hard to know exactly the profile for it, but it does seem like if you're a confident driver of the golf ball, uh, you can pick up some advantages. Keegan's always been that. So he's on my squad, not by much yet again, as all of these captains picks are, but I'm really happy. I'm, he's the guy that it's like, Hey, turn the camera on this video is going viral. Let's invite Keegan in. Oh, coach has something to say to you. Bring him into the, bring him into the locker room. Maybe he thinks he's getting disciplined. Instead, you want that moment, real time reaction, Keegan getting named you're getting a scholarship. To the squad. <laughs> you're getting a scholarship and your football program just gained 24,000 Instagram followers. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that will be a fun storyline. Is that fair? Or is win. that a Homer pick? No, no, no. It's it's totally fair. Um, I think it's probably most fair, like where you picked him. You didn't pick him seventh. You didn't pick him ninth. Like he he is unbiased. Very much still, he said so. I tried, tried. He is a bubble boy. Absolutely, still a bubble boy. Um, that you know, depending on how things go in the FedEx Cup, could could move things around. Um, but you have to imagine that he has a good relationship with Zach Johnson. That's the thing. Like ZJ is not that old. Zach Johnson was on these Ryder Cup teams not that long ago. He played on Ryder Cup teams with Keegan Bradley. He knows Keegan's plight in terms of having a Ryder Cup luggage uh, still packed from when when the Americans lost in 2014 at Glen Eagles. So I think ZJ would be sympathetic to that. I don't really know what Zach Johnson's going to do. He's not been... He's, he's had a good poker face this whole time, maybe a forced poker face when it comes to his selections and his picks. So um, I think you got to I think you, I think Keegan's fine for you guys right now. Um, I'm going with a guy who has won at Marco Simone. He won earlier this year. His name is Adrian Moronk, the tall Polish kid. Uh, he's been super consistent this year, which I think is important. Like, you know, Sepp Straka, it, like I said, is a bit volatile, up and down. And like Adrian Moronk, even though he will be a rookie, he is a very consistent, he has been a very consistent player on the DP World Tour. And um, look, you're looking down the list, and of course, you'd probably rather pick Sergio, and maybe you'd rather have Thomas Peters available to you, or Henrik Stenson, or Paul Casey. Like in a different world, Adrian Moronk maybe doesn't play on this team. But of the dudes that you got to choose from, he's been the most consistent. And he's been better than the Hoygaard twins. He's been better than the next crop of guys that include like Victor Perez uh, or Romain Langasque. So, again, whoever's going to end up being on this team, this top heavy team, where you got five guys that'll probably play five matches, Moronk, dude, we just need three matches out of you. We need you to go out there play with Rombo, try to make putts from where he hits the ball to, and then go out on your Sunday singles match. Try to beat Brian Harmon, whoever is standing across from you. Try to use the home crown to your advantage. Get a tie on the board and see if you can kind of like get your Ryder Cup experience out of the way without it being this uh, scar tissue kind of thing. Don't feel great about it, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah, look... I like it. I mean, I think it's, I think that's a, I think it's a solid selection. Um, 
gosh, well, I can't believe we're down to our final pick here. And I've been waffling on this one. Well, I, before before we move forward, I do want to just acknowledge, like, if you try to look at what, like, Adrian Moronk's last, you know, few months have been like, yeah, they're right please. there at the le- they're right there at the level of Shane Lowry's last few months. You know, they're right there at the same level, uh, around the same level of Brian Harmon's last six months. It just gets to the point where hey, if we go back twenty four months, then Adrian Moronk, you're just not on this team. So his recent no, rise, it's, his last... it's a hot hand thing, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, how do you weigh those two things? Like, how much do you value the golf the guy was playing twelve months ago? Twelve months ago, I think he's 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 been pretty good for the last twelve months. But twenty four months ago, he wasn't this kind of player. So he's played his way yeah. to a new. But does that matter? Game. Does twelve months ago matter? Does twenty four like does does some pedigree matter? Or you just because Sep is the, sort of the same thing. He's coming in hot, but he wasn't real hot before then. And that's why I, I kind of said, like, look, I'd rather have Thomas Peters on this team, someone that you can throw out there with Rory and just be like, look, they've played together before in a very successful manner. But you kind of like you're looking at the list. It's like, wait, is Aaron Rye a better option? Is yeah, Alexander can Thomas Bjork Peters be or- on this team? Technically, I think Thomas Peters can be on this team. Uh, okay. If he was playing a lot better golf, we'd be talking a lot more about it, but he hasn't, yeah. so um, we're not there yet. I'll tell you what I really want to do with this, and if I'm Zach Johnson right now, what I'm doing with this spot is I'm telling, I'm going to everyone that's on the bubble, and I'm saying, hey, look, if unless one of you guys comes and takes this spot, I'm giving it to Patrick Reed. That's what I'm saying right now. <laughs> He's my 12 guy. P. Reed. Excellent Ryder Cup <laughs> player. Strong history. I believe he's 7-3 and three in his career. 7-3-2 um, and two overall, overall record. Yeah. yeah. The last time we saw him in a Ryder Cup, it was U-G-L-Y. You ain't got it. It was L-Y. U-G-L-Y. You ugly. But... So this isn't quite my pick. I'm just saying, like, this is what I'm doing right now from ZJ. I'm saying, hey, hey come JT, get it. come get it. Because otherwise, oh, your buddies, Ricky and uh, Ricky and Jordan, they're going to end up paired somehow with Patrick Reed in these team events. I think Patrick Reed, could, maybe you even make the case that he is playing almost good enough golf, but you just can't have a guy that has acted the way that he has acted in these team rooms before and really actually have him on the team but yeah anyway he would certainly light a light a fire under the entire proceedings uh he would be who are really you all considering though that's my re- my question like who are really the, entertaining the, who are the five guys five guys on the bubble right now so yeah who's i think who's who's, who's getting the letter saying come get it ultimately the ultimately the guy that i'm taking right now for the 12th spot in reality is Cameron Young if I have to make a choice Gross. right now. So he is my he's my official selection. Um but there's just nothing about that that I feel good about. Denny McCarthy, maybe he gets the nod, but he shot a trillion at the open. That was not inspiring. Um JT has had moments and moments and moments to prove hey I'm the guy, but at this point in American golfing history, I need a little bit more from him bef- to justify like 
the the good old boys club selection that it would be to get him on the team. Mm -hmm. I would like to. Mm -hmm. I would like to have enough justification to take him. I can't do it right now. Um, Cameron Young has at least played well in the big events this year. He's got a little bit of good form coming in. No, missing the cut at the 3M was not great. Uh, but, you know, at least, yeah, at least he played well in the majors. And then Tony Finau, if he'd gone ahead and gotten it at the 3M, then he'd be a lot easier to insert in this conversation. He's certainly getting a letter saying, hey, the Patrick Reed thing is happening. Please show up. <laughs> um, and then there's a couple other guys that deserve strong, strong consideration. Dustin Johnson, based off what he did two years ago in Wisconsin, he's got to be in the in the mix. But my thing with DJ is how bad does he really want it? Because he has not really showed up. Yeah, he finished T10 at the US Open. I don't want to completely poo-poo that. But, you know, he shows up at the Open Championship. He knows that this is probably his chance to make a statement that he should be on this Ryder Cup team, that it's kind of kind of do or die. And he shoots 81 the second day. So that, to me, is not the golf of someone who is fully invested. And I think that the Ryder cup invites a certain amount of investment going to Rome, doing the whole team room thing, going yeah. all the way. He wouldn't be a bad guy to have, but yeah. So DJ Bryson P Reed, um, I'm interested by all of them. I know there's mm -hmm. been some Taylor Gooch talk. I'm actually, actually interested probably in the other guys slightly before him, but I know Gooch and uh, Max Homa are close. So they would make an interesting pairing, but uh, in terms of the live guys, he's not like right there for me. So anyone who was listening to us earlier and is like, gosh, I don't, I don't know if I want Brooks kept on this team. What Dylan has gone through for the last, like, you know, five minutes trying to come up with a reason who's, who should be the 12th man should tell you that Brooks Kepka needs to be on this team or else two of those guys who aren't going and getting it for that 12th man spot are going to end up getting the 11th and 12th spot. So you need Brooks on this team. Um, Brooks's existence on the team would make me want to have DJ on the team because you could just pair. It would be a logical like, pairing. You, like uh, there's a very fair justification for that. Like that. Yeah. So would you take DJ over Cameron Young? No, I wouldn't take Cameron Young period. Uh, God, I would stay <laughs> away from Cameron Young. Um, I think I, I would rather give the nod to Justin Thomas and a guy who, like, there is not a single person, I think, playing professional golf who cares about the Ryder Cup more than JT. I actually believe that. And, like, if you had to put up power rankings, I know they probably all care about it in a very similar fashion, but no one cares about it more than him, I don't think. And look, I and think that yeah. that matters in some weird way. Uh, and I do want to say I, I fully agree with that, and I think that's an important part of the calculation, but it's it's almost like... I almost want this pressure on JT right now. I want him putting this pressure on himself yeah. right now because he has every opportunity still to play his way onto this team because everyone he, in this well, area has have, enough question marks. He doesn't have What's every that? opportunity. He's got like one opportunity. It's this week in North Carolina. He I, is exactly. I think, yeah, you're right. But it was also the 3M open. Like it was, it's been sure. the last couple weeks. And so I, you just want permission. You want permission to take him. He has not given us that permission. I've given I'm giving you permission only because like like we've been saying no one this else is has. Not, well, no one else uh no one else is taking it and also um 
I think it matters. It matters that there's like a month off. Like if Justin finishes T30 this week, he's not going to make the FedEx Cup. There's going to be a month between his last start and and the Ryder Cup, um, essentially four weeks. Like, hey, you're on this team. I'm picking you. Go home and get right. Take a break. Get right. Absolutely grind your ass off. Give Michael Jordan 20 strokes down at the Grove and then beat his ass. Come out to you know, come out to Rome and you're going to play three matches at the most until you prove to me that you're going to, that you should play more. You're going to play in the afternoon each day. So you're not going to be out there losing matches for us early in a day, creating any sort of negative momentum. You're playing in the afternoon and you're playing with Jordan and you and Jordo are going to go do what you did in Paris, which is being one of the actual shining lights for the American squad and you're just going to work on that magic and you're not going to play every shot. It'll be alternate shot. And I trust that you are good enough as an elite golfer to get right for this Ryder Cup. And I think that that works for me if I'm Zach Johnson. But I guess in this whole game, you are Zach Johnson. It's just tough, man. It's it's like just go finish top 10 this week. <laughs> and then that's probably enough to play your way into the playoffs. But, I mean, if you're talking about the last three months – Adam Long's been better. Yeah. <laughs> Davis Riley has been better. David Lipsky has been better. Grayson Hell Sig yeah. has been better. So, I mean, you're, you're actually in the same range the last three months as Zach Johnson. Very similar profiles in terms of <laughs> golf skill. Yikes. So, yeah, but you still, like, you just want him to go play well this week. He's six, two, and one in the Ryder Cup. Like he, he should be on this team. It's really just if he's playing well enough to even uh, half deserve it. So, yeah. All right. Who All you right. got? Well, who's rounding out your squad? That sorry, that turned squad. into like an existential crisis of just yeah. trying to figure out that final spot. Rounding out the squad. Um, these are the people that I had to consider, which should tell you a little bit about the decision that Luke Donald will have to make. But um, Padraig Harrington is playing really oddly great golf. Thomas Dietrich quietly playing golf, not playing it on the DP World Tour as much as the PGA Tour, which is kind of an interesting thing as far as qualifying for points. The Hoygaard twins, Rasmus and Nikolai, those guys are being considered. Seamus Power, another It's Irish hard to take boy. one without the other, isn't it? Yeah, especially because they've both like kind of peacocked at different points throughout this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not in a vacuum. If one was clearly better then that's easy, but they're, they're similar yeah. enough that it's kind of like both or none. Yeah. Like if Xander and Cantley were twins, <laughs> you'd be like, do we yeah, know they're the not person. Um, and then Alex Norin, another person that you have to consider. He's actually got uh Ryder cup experience, but He's I am going with the poking rookie. his head through the door a little bit. Who's your yeah, rookie? I am going I am going with the rookie. I've been talking about it, been writing about it a little good bit. Uh it's Ludwig Aberg. Oh um, wow. Yep. The twenty three year old uh rookie in the greenest sense of the term. He smashes it. He has really no flaws in his game. I think he has shown, particularly in front of Luke Donald, who's been playing a lot of PJ Tour golf this year. He's shown Luke Donald, like, I kind of have it. Like, I'm going to be a much better golfer in two years than I am now, but I'm still quite good enough to make this team. 
I think he's the kind of player that you could send out with a veteran. You could send him out for three matches. You could pair him with Rory. Um, you might not have to. Maybe you pair him with Justin Rose, your ultimate veteran on this team. Um, but he seems like the kind of guy who's not going to get super high or super low. He's all kind of taking it in in a pretty happy-go-lucky sense. Um, and he's the, he's the 12th man. He knows coming in there's not a ton of pressure on you. You go out there and do your absolute best. We'll pair you with, with Victor Hovland, someone you might have looked up to um, in, you know, playing in the Big 12 and coming from that part of the world. Like, I think there's enough going for him that he should be considered for this spot mostly because of what the future could be. Sometimes you have to place a guy on the squad because of future concerns. And like I said, like there isn't really a hole in his game. He has contended on PGA Tour courses in tour events. The last few months since he turned pro, if he had turned pro 12 months earlier, I'm sure he's actually on this team, maybe automatically qualified. So it's hard to poke holes in the Aberg resume other than we haven't seen him do it a ton. Do you want to have about that his iron on the Ryder game. Cup team? I'm, wor- I'm worried about his irons. Approach he hits the ball since- at like a at like a tour average. Approach since joining the tour has not been good. Not 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 good. Okay, so right that's now that's my concern. That's your concern. The concern that I have is like the cupboard's pretty bare. <laughs> Beside that, um, I would I don't know what Luke Donald's going to do with this spot. Um, Aberg's not going to be playing a bunch of golf unless he goes over and plays European Tour events. In the next couple of weeks after this, I don't think he's necessarily going to. I think he needs to win to make the FedEx Cup playoffs, and that's unlikely to happen. So um, you're really just trying to fill a hole. I mean, there have been guys who have only played two matches in a Ryder Cup before. That could be what this 12th man spot sure. is. But yeah. his involvement, Adrian Moronk's involvement on the low end of the totem pole, just shows you that the top five guys for Europe got to play five matches. That's it. That's kind of how this Ryder Cup will be won for the Euros, is if the horses do the pulling, if they sprint out there and, and contend with the, the Americans, that it, it is going to be incumbent on them. And so, like, whoever is the 12th man almost matters less to me than it would for the Americans. What phone call hurts the most? Sorry, bud. Couldn't do it for you. Um, I... Well, Padraig Harrington is very, like, even-keeled about this. Like, he knew he needed to play well at the Scottish and at the Open to get that How call. How fun so he's would like, that be? My God. He, he's okay with it. Um, I think the toughest phone call is maybe a guy like Seamus Power, who, yeah, you know, he, who knows if he's peaking right now, if he's playing the best golf of his life. But these guys go through stretches. I mean, Brian Harmon even mentioned it during the open he's like i feel like i'm always on the cusp of Ryder cup teams president's cup teams i've never broken through well now he has but it happened for him at 36 years old it's never a guarantee just because you're on the, the outside looking in that you're going to make the next one and i i would i would imagine someone like seamus power thinks he's like done enough to make that team and in march he's have, on the team no doubt about it yeah it's just exactly stuff's happened since then so probably that one how about how about your toughest call clearly justin yeah jt jt is the toughest call no doubt which is maybe a sign like even as we've been sitting here the last like two minutes i'm like 
you seriously going to take Cameron Young over Justin Thomas? That seems pretty foolish. So I think next week, if we did this again, even if JT finishes like T26 at mm-hmm. at uh, Greensboro, I'm not sure that I'm making that same call. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty clearly the toughest, toughest no. Yeah. Tony Finau, I mean, it'd be, it'd be tough letting Tony Finau just down in general. So, yeah. And then I think DJ um, would be the one that could just sort of like laugh at you. Be like, seriously, no, man. All no, right. I'm fine. Yeah. Hey, good luck. <laughs> uh, my final thing for you, would your team look different if, if live had never happened? Would any of those yeah. live guys be on your squad? Sergio's on the team. No doubt. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, wouldn't have I, thought so, but yeah, he's played at the numbers. It makes sense. Solid golf this summer. And I think he has done a lot of harm to his reputation among the, like with the DP world tour. But like I, like I just showed you, like going down this list, it's very tough to choose people that you would uh, in a fair, fair world choose over him. Also Rom, your horse, number two on my depth chart could be number one on a lot of people's depth charts. He wants Sergio on this team. He has said it would be great to play with Sergio. They played really well together at Whistling Straits. And, um, I think that matters a ton. And so Sergio would, would absolutely be on the team. And then you'd have to start thinking about the likes of Stenson and Casey. They would have to bump off in Adrian Moronk. I don't think that Luke Donald would do that, but especially since Stenson played his way out of being the captain, I don't think he would make it. But yeah, I think um, in that world, only Sergio. Someone I do want to just apologize for not even mentioning because he he arguably should be on the team more than Young or JT is Sam Burns, who uh, uh, won the match play this year. He's been fine in recent months, not great, uh, but he's also kind of still in that conversation. Yeah, and a and a you know really good friend of the best player in the world. <laughs> Yeah, right. and he would be the answer to that Scotty Scheffler pairing. But I mean, I'm no excited doubt. for the pairing talk because it's not. It, it started looking obvious like last year mm. at the Presidents Cup for some of that stuff. Not anymore. Not anymore. This American <laughs> side's got some intriguing. Both pairings. sides. Both sides. The European Both teams. Si- like, wait, who should Rom play with? Who should Hovland play with? Fleetwood doesn't have Molinari to play with. Like, who wants to be with a rookie? I think it's extremely random. Whatever Luke Luke Donald end up doing. Uh, it's pretty fun, Sean. All right. I know you got to scoot. I know that the people listening, you guys have to scoot also. Yeah, um, but thanks for taking it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this is why you're the smartest listeners in the golf podcast landscape. Yeah. And don't let anyone tell you differently. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>